0: Welcome to the Anchor Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help you grow in your walk with the Lord by an in-depth study of the Word of God. So grab your Bible and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with today's message. What we're going to do today is continue in that vein, as you saw in the video clip about the Pope pushing for a one world government. And uh, we're going to go neck deep into this as we study the rest of chapter 11 about Babylon. We've taken three messages on this because it's it's very in depth when you get into Babylon, and so this is the third message. So I don't want to belabor the previous points that I made. And if you didn't hear the previous two sermons on Babylon, you can go online and listen to those on sermon audio or our website or whatnot, or even on YouTube, you can watch those things and get kind of caught up because I have to focus in on uh, verse 4 and on. The other thing I made for you, I think our ushers handed this out to you. So everybody, um, if you want one of these and if there's any left, you can get your hands on that. You're going to have to wear glasses to read it because I I tried to put it on one page. And uh, what I did in this is do a summation of every facet I could think of about Babylon. And what I want you to do is on your own time, take this and read through it. And what you'll start seeing is the concepts that come from Babylon, these ungodly concepts, are right now in our culture and around the world. They're being practiced They're being believed on. And so what we're seeing is a return to the Babylon religion, the Babylon economy, and a Babylon way of politics because we know that what we're reading here, this past event that happened in Babylon, will happen in the future. In fact, presently speaking, we're seeing a lot of the run-up now. We're seeing the table set or the stage set, And all we're waiting for is someone to lift the curtains, and you'll see everybody in the players. But it's there. And so, like I've entitled this, the future predicted in the past has now become the present. So when I say, hey, they want a one-world government, that's not a conspiracy thought anymore. They're saying it. Twenty years ago, if I said, ah, you're, you're being conspiratorial, hey, look, they're saying it. Bernie Sanders, all these guys, Buttigieg, all of these, Elizabeth Warren, all these people, globalists, they want a one-world government. And so we don't even need faith on that. They're saying it. They want this. So if we're going to look at some of the aspects of this and uh, take that handout, you can read it more in depth on your own. It's some of the stuff I've already covered. It, some of it in there will be some the stuff I covered today. But one of the things that you're going to take from this Babylonian type of religion, government, political, is that they're pushing group think. And the idea, you see this in schools, the idea is that they want everyone to think the same way, everyone to be on the same agenda. And they've done this through language. That's why when God comes down to see this, it's the issue of language is the one thing he has to do to get them to stop. He has to confuse the languages. Today, you must understand, the basis of groupthink is language. What do I mean by that? Yes, the Babylonians were speaking one language. That's true. And we're now at that point in our history that most of the world speaks the English language. That's the lingua franca of the day. But it's more than just the language. It's the meanings in the language. What Babylon did is it had a common language, but then it had common meanings in the language. And what those meanings were, were directly opposed to God. This is why it's full rebellion, what you see here. And so what do I mean by that? Well, today, the common language of the world is them taking sin and turning that sin into something good. It's what Isaiah predicted and warned about is that woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And that's what they're doing today in the schools, the colleges and universities, the media, Hollywood. Things that our society from a Judeo-Christian standpoint used to deem as sin or bad or wickedness or evil is now celebrated as good. That's when you know the Babylonian way of thinking is infecting our culture. It goes the opposite of what God does. They have their values, no doubt about it, but they've changed the language. Satan figured out a long time ago when he watched God speak the universe into existence by his words, he saw the potential through language to change the paradigm, to change people's reality by giving them new definitions of sin. And through that, what you have witnessed is the satanic strategy of changing a culture's mind by changing the language. So adultery is not adultery, it's an affair, right? Sodomy is not sodomy anymore, it's an alternative lifestyle, right? Socialism or communism... It's not bad. It's now good in our culture because it's fair in their minds, right? They've changed the meanings of terms, and they've done it so successfully, the uneducated, the ignorant, the people who are not involved in what the culture's doing, just absorb it, and they follow a lockstep with the culture's milieu of what they're pushing, and they don't think anything about it. Well, times have changed, they'll say. It's Babylon. And here's the deal. Language is extremely important. Let me give an example in the Bible. If you tamper with any of the language in the Bible and pour a different meaning into words, what do you got? You got a cult. When all, God wants all to be saved and you change the word all into all kinds... You're tampering with the text. When you look at words like sodomy and say, and many Christians are saying this, that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was a lack of hospitality, you're off the rails. And that's a lot of churches are pushing. this. a lot of pastors, are pushing it wasn't homosexuality. It was a problem. It was a lack of Middle Eastern hospitality. Baloney. It tells you what the problem is. But see, they tamper with the text. They change the meanings of things. If words don't mean what they say, then we don't know what reality is. That's what Satan has figured out. Change the language, change the meaning of the language, and you can disrupt the whole culture. By the way, that's the tactic of communism and Marxism, by the way. Change the language. I wonder where they got that idea from. Hmm. Anyway, all that being said, you're going to look at the language issue here. And that's what I want you to understand as you're looking at this. Now, let's go back, retrace our steps a little bit just to kind of give us a context. And this is some of the stuff we've already studied. But let's just briefly read this so we can get a context. Now, the whole earth had one language. There's the one language. Not only one language, one vocabulary, okay? And one speech. And it came to pass... As they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. That's the Fertile Crescent. That's where Iraq is today. And they dwelt there. This is the same place that Cain went when he ran from God. Usually in the Bible, when you see people going to the east, they're running from God. So this, they're going in the same direction as Cain, which is a rebel. They're in rebellion, okay? So they're going eastward. Then they said to one another, here's the group think. Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. Now, I went in depth on that, but basically what it is, is God wanted people to build with stones that would fit together, but they didn't want to go God's way. They actually manufactured bricks and used asphalt or tar to stick the two together. And what it's a symbol of is them earning their way of salvation by By producing something. Instead of taking what God provides, they're producing something. God provides salvation. They're saying we're providing our salvation. Also, in the system, the bricks represent humanity. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, when you look from a totalitarian standpoint, when you look from these people on the left, they look at human beings as utilitarian. They have no value unless they can produce... That's why they're okay with killing babies and they're okay practicing soft euthanasia on the elderly by not giving them the care they need. They only value you if you're a brick. And if, if you're a broken brick or we can't use you in the wall, we're tossing you out. That's how they view humanity. And the, the mortar is a symbol of the false religion that keeps these people together. So we talked about that more in depth last time, but I'm not going to belabor that. And then it says, and they said, group think, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. And the idea is the city represents security and the tower is their religious functioning of opening a portal between the physical world and the spiritual realm. What they wanted to do is reestablish connection to the occult, to the spiritual realm, not God's spiritual realm, the demonic and fallen angel spiritual realm. Just as they had remembered had happened in Genesis 6 when the sons of God, fallen angels, copulated with women and produced Nephilim. What happened with these angels, these fallen angels? They were giving information to the daughters' dads, passing on occultic information, metallurgy, how to do certain things that no human could have figured out. That's the nature of the occult. The occult means to reveal secret knowledge. These fallen angels were giving secret knowledge to human beings in order to create a more disastrous world. So they taught human beings warfare, warcraft, metallurgy, and weapons. They taught them how to tap into the occult power. That was the exchange going on. The Tower of Babel represents wanting to go back to that where they get information that is hidden to humans from these fallen creatures who can tell them how to do certain things. Don't think for a moment that these people who have high intellects and are ungodly and they're given ideas about the internet, about how to run the internet. Google, Facebook, Twitter, Amazon. Don't think that these are geniuses. Many of them are involved in the occult. And because of that, if you're tapped into the occult, you will get ideas of how to do certain things. There was a famous math- mathematician in India, and he was given a problem to solve. And no one on the earth, no mathematician on the earth, on the planet, could solve this equation. So they gave it to him, seeing what he would do with it. Well, after a few days, he came back and he solved the problem. And they asked him, how did you solve the problem? Is your your great intellect? He said, no. I tapped into my spirit guide, and my spirit guide solved the problem, and he solved it for me, and here you go. That's what's happening with the occult. Anyone tapped into that will have these experiences where they're given ideas, but these ideas seem benevolent, but they're malevolent. They're used to hurt humanity, and that's what you have to understand. That's what the Tower of Babel was for, to tap into that, to create a portal, between this world and the next, of fallen creatures. Anyway, Josephus notes something. I want to take us back to one of the oldest commentators on this passage, and I want you to see what he notes. This is from Josephus in antiquities. And he comments on this. He persuaded them, talking about Nimrod, because he's the leader of this whole thing, to ascribe it to God as if it was through his means they were happy, but to believe that it was their own courage which procured that happiness he also gradually changed the government into tyranny. Does that sound familiar? Seeing no other way of turning men from the fear of God but to bring them into a constant dependence on his power. That's exactly what the politicians want. That's exactly what the UN wants. It wants people to be dependent on the state, to be dependent on the UN, dependent on the world government. Josephus is saying this 2,000 years ago. He goes, this is what they were doing. They knew they couldn't get to tyranny because of the fear of God in people. So how do you get the fear of God? In? Make them dependent on the state. Make them compromise. And that's how they'll give up their Christianity. That is exactly what's happening today. If you watch America and just use America as a template, politicians want people to be dependent on the government. That's not America. America. That's not the way we were founded. But they're creating a nanny state so that people are dependent on them. And because of that, they will give up their morales. They will give up their Judeo-Christian ethics, if they had any, because they want free stuff. And once they get free stuff, you can control them. Benjamin Franklin said that once the American people figure out that they can vote themselves money, game over. And that's what's happened. That's Babylonianism, Babylonianism. Now, let's go and let's let's now drill into the text we want to look at. And this is verse 4b. So they wanted to build a tower. They did that to build a city for security. And now they said, let us make a name for ourselves. So this is another motivation that they're wanting to do. It's a goal. So these goals of them are intertwined. Now, what does this mean to make a name for themselves? Well, it goes back to Genesis 6. In Genesis 6, the Nephilim were also called the men of renown, that they were famous. They had a name because of the great feats they could accomplish. Nimrod himself was famous for the great feats he accomplished because he was a Nephilim. He's not fully human. He's part fallen angel and part human. And these, these Nephilim were like the heroes today in athletics, so to speak. They, everyone knew them. They had fame. They had a name. Well, in this context, what it means to have a name, it me- it's satanic pride to have a name. What, and what do I mean by that is they want to achieve immortality through their reputation and through their deeds of performance. That's what they want. They want immortality and name because of the achievements they accomplish together. To wrap your arms around that, this is why the secular world always wants to leave a name behind. They want to leave a monument behind. They want to leave something that they did, a foundation that they started, and they, they put their name down. And really what it's about is trying to achieve immortality with their name. Why is that a problem? Simple. There's only one name that is exalted. It's the name of Jesus. That's it. There is no human being above that name. There is no satanic forces above that name. But when sinful humans reject Jesus, then they want to exalt their own name and achieve immortality through their own performance instead of through Jesus. And that's what's going on here. It's called the pride of life. It's called ego. It's called this. I want this world to be about me, not about God. That's what it's about. And so they are trying to do this. This right here is the birth of humanism. This is where it started. Man is at the top, not God. And again, it's an exaltation of a man based on performance, based on their performance. Now, to understand this performance thing, when you don't understand the Bible or if a person doesn't understand salvation by faith alone, it's not by works, lest anyone boast, That's what that passage is referring to in Ephesians 2, lest anyone boast. When you come to God, you have to accept his provision on his terms. There's no room for boasting because he did it all. So in humanism, they want to boast. They want to brag of how great a person they are, and they do it through achievement. They do it through achievement, and that's what they're trying to achieve here. So basically then what Satan had blinded them through Nimrod is to believe a lie. And they fully believed this. This is groupthink. Everyone was on the the, the ticket for this. And basically, what got them to do this groupthink was a thing called fear. Now, go to the next text, and it says this. Lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. There is the fear. There is the problem right there. There's where their insecurity lies. Now... What it is, is a direct rejection of the dominion mandate, okay? What God had asked human beings to do, and he gave the command to Adam and Eve, he gave the command again through Noah, be fruitful, multiply, and go out and conquer the, the earth. Use the earth's natural resources to work for humanity's benefit and spread out Don't get clumped up in one area. I need you to take over the entire planet and spread out. That's the dominion mandate. What they're saying is, we don't want to spread out. And probably through Nimrod and satanic influence, Nimrod shaped this into being a negative instead of a positive. Right? Remember, it's changing the language. God says this is a positive if you go out and spread out and harness the natural resources of the planet. They're saying, no, it's a negative, lest we be scattered. You see how he changed the language and the meaning of the language? What do you mean by this? What, what What is it that they fear? He told them a lie that if we spread out, we're all vulnerable. Now, again, this makes sense when you don't have God in your life. When you don't have God in your life, you'll look for other means of security. And so this is what he is doing. Look, we can't rely on God. God's our enemy. we got to rely on ourselves, and we've got to do things that bring security. And the last thing we want to do is get out of here and spread out. That will bring insecurity. Animals will attack us. Rogue other humans will attack us. We need to stay together. We need to unite. We need to come together and work on a common cause issue. because. We're under attack, don't you understand? We'll die. You see what that is? The fear is based on a false problem. It's not real. It's counterfeit. There's no basis in reality for it. We're all going to die if we spread out. It's like Greta Thunberg saying, we're all going to die in 12 years if we don't get this global warming under control. You know she's being paid, right? It's fake. All these greenies are nothing but watermelons. You must understand that. What do I mean? They're green on the outside, but they're red in the middle. They're communists. They're using a fake problem to get the world to unite. Thank God Trump pulled us out of that peace climate thing. God bless him. We would have spent trillions of dollars given into third world countries. I want you to note this. Back when the U.N. was formed by Jean Monnet, if you ever want to study this, old boy, this is important. He was the founder of the EU. He was the one who organized the EU that you see today. It's only about 50 years old. When Jean Monnet organized the EU, it was for global government and was starting the EU and spread out. Do you know what he said would be the two uniting things that they would use to create a one-world government? Economy, environment. That's what they're doing today. They're making the environment and carbon a poison when it's not. They're changing the language, changing the meaning of that, right? When in fifth grade, we, taught, we, we were all taught that plants eat carbon. It's actually good for them. They green up. All of a sudden, carbon now is a poison. See how they lie? See how they change the meaning of it? Language does this. And what is the nature of a lie? You say it long enough, say it more times than anything, people believe it because they're ignorant. They don't have a background to understand. They're lying to them. They just take it on face value. So they manufacture a crisis. John Monet wanted to say, we've got to take advantage of these crises. When these crises come up, we've got to take advantage of it and use these crises to gain more control. I've heard that from other politicians, right? In America, never let a good crisis go to waste. That's Jean Monnet. That's Saul Alinsky. That's Satan. Make them fear something that doesn't exist. Greta Thunberg, the, the world's going to end. AOC, 12 years, and then instead of the Armageddon apocalypse of the environment. Mother Earth is reeling, and she's hurting. What a joke. And Now, you and I know that's a joke, but they don't out there, and they go right along with it. You got college university professors that should know better, that there's no evidence for it. You got teachers in high school, science teachers that they apparently don't know the evidence behind it and keep pushing this to kids. So you have generation of generation of generation of kids coming out of the public schools, coming into high school and universities that are simply doing what they were told, but can't critically think and evaluate the evidence. Babylon. That's Babylon. It's a principle of deception. Make them fear something, make a false problem, and they will unite against it. Isn't that interesting? I heard a clip by Ronald Reagan say something similar to this. And he was saying, you know, if we had an outside invasion of alien forces, that would be something the world would unite. And he's right. He's absolutely right. All you have to do is get humanity to be afraid of something, and they will unite. So what Nimrod told these people at Babylon, "We're gonna die. We gotta stay together, man. Are you with me? Yeah. We'll stay. we'll protect you. Here's the deal. Here's an application. Before we move on, Satan knows how to play on your insecurity. In your life, Satan has played a game on you. This is why the truth sets you free. What Satan's game has been with you ever since you were a child is to make you fear things that don't exist, and then you will govern your life that way because you're so afraid of something that you think might happen, it creates anxiety, it creates insecurity, and this is the deal. He knows if you don't have God to go to, if you don't know the scriptures, what scriptures apply to that, he knows you will turn to other sources of security in the world to find your security, to make you feel okay. And I'm going to tell you this, these things that we go to that are false securities, there's no security there. It's fake. But that's the game Satan is playing with you individually and me individually and the whole world. I'll play on their fears... And make them think there's a monster in their closet. That's how the game is played. That's how even Christians live their life in total fear. So what do they do? What do they run to the security for? Money, power, position, a name, right? They'll do those things. People that have the right people in their life, the right network. All those things are fake because he doesn't want you going to God for security. So that's the lesson we're going to talk a little bit more about. But anyway, let's unpack this just a little bit. The idea that Nimrod's doing, obviously he pushes a fake problem, and then what he is saying is this. If we unify, we can achieve more. If we unify, we can achieve more together. That's true on one level. But it's it's untrue in the level they're at. They're at a satanic rebellion level. And, and so now the whole push in our world is unity, right? Even in the churches, they're saying, we need to unify. At what cost? Drop my theology? Well, we need to unify. You're just causing division. I'm not dropping my theology for you. If you're off the chain on your theology, I have no fellowship with you. Also, even in my conservative views, which derive from a Judeo-Christian ethic, like a free market system, which the Bible supports, not communism. So if I, they want me to drop that and accept their communism? I don't think so. But yet, half of America would be willing to vote for a communist. What's wrong? Well, we gotta unify. Gotta unify. Economy. Environment. That's what's being used right now. Fear the economy. Fear the environment. John Monet was brilliant. He's using it. They're using it right now. So there's this idea. Then we need to group up together. And we can't trust God because He's this mean ogre that we can't trust. He's oppressive. He's too rigid. How dare He give us a command that to to spread out and put us make us vulnerable? He's too harsh. God's a divider. He's not he, why doesn't he make our lives easier? He lives up there. We live down here. It's hard here. How come he doesn't make it easy here for me? It's the whole thing of why atheists and agnostics hate God and he the, and, and Nimrod was able to turn them against God. basically, let's make war against God. Jewish commentators on this passage noted that in their recollection of things that was passed on, they said that at the top of the tower was a figure with a sword pointed to God in rebellion of making, this idea was to make war against God. Scary, isn't it? And what do they want out of this? We'll make war against God. We'll, we'll disobey his commands for peace and security. Babylon will give us peace and security. I find that funny, because that's the same words they use today. Over and over again. Roll that. The state of the borders of 1967 that will live in peace and security. The well, lesson of history is that peace and security do not come easily. Peace and stability uh, that uh, people on all sides long for. Two states for two peoples living side by side in peace and security... Is not a vague slogan, but a real necessary necessity for the stability in the entire region. Israel and Palestinians, they can live side by side in peace and security. This is our uh, vision, and this is our uh, commitment for a new deal: peace and security and friendship. My hopes and dreams for Israel are. To live in peace, to live in peace and security. Two states living side by side in peace and security, true security for all Israelis, we will also pursue peace between Israel and Lebanon, in peace and security, Israel and Syria, peace and security, and a broader peace between Israel and its many neighbors. Must decide whether we are serious about peace and security. To recognize Israel's legitimacy and its right to exist in peace and security. That's how we will find new pathways to peace and security. That is the work that we must do. Peace and security. Peace and security and, and coexistence. A movement towards peace. If we have this triangle economy, security, and peace, then peace can succeed. Isn't that funny? They're saying the very words Paul predicted. Look at First Thessalonians chapter 5. For when they say, peace and safety or security, then sudden destruction comes upon them as a labor pain upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Folks, they are now saying what the Apostle Paul said they would say. I don't think they realize it. We're trying to have Babylon for peace and security. And he says, when they say that, utter destruction comes upon them. What that means is the tribulation is on the heels of that. That's how close we are. They're saying those very words which signal you're close to the tribulation. That sudden destruction will be the seven-year tribulation. That blows me away. But that's Babylon. We're clumping up together for peace and security. Now, let's go in to what the rest of the text does, and went, now the Lord's going to take action, okay? Verse 5. But the Lord came down to see the city and tower which the sons of man had built. Now, this idea of leaving heaven to come down, it's not like God can't see this going on. He does see it. The idea of coming down means this in a Hebrew understanding. It means to officially and judicially take action against what they're doing. Just like he came down for Sodom and Gomorrah, Right? It's the idea in the Hebrew is he's going to take action now. Now, why must he take action? Why is so building a tower and these people rebelling? Is it this bad? Yes, it is this bad. There's a couple things I want to point out why God has to stop this. First of all, at this point, the truth of God's revelation, if the whole of humanity is clumping up together and you have no believers there, the truth is that the revelation of God could possibly be obliterated. And so he's not going to allow that. He's going to get his word out. What are they trying to do now? Obliterate the word of God as a hate speech, right? They're trying to get it out. So he has to take actions to make sure that doesn't happen. Two, he's trying to ensure that the realm of fallen angels and demons don't continue to create problems for humanity by giving them secret knowledge because that connection with demons and the fallen angels will make humanity irreparable because they'll get into so grotesque sin and wickedness beyond human comprehension. So he has to stop that. Three, it wasn't time yet. In the prophetic scenario, one day, and I think it's close, God is going to allow the Tower of Babel to be rebuilt and the whole system go into play. So he's waiting to the end. So it wasn't the right time. So God stopped it. And also when you look at what Babylon was doing as considering people as bricks, that the purpose of humans would be ruined. Humans are image bearers. And what, the, what Satan was trying to do is take away being an image bearer and just nothing but a utilitarian brick. And also, to stop idolatry as much as possible. Because if he didn't intervene, all of humanity would have went towards idolatry. This is the Romans 1 scenario. I think when Paul wrote Romans 1, this was on his mind. It had to be stopped. But think about this. Later, it won't be stopped. In fact, we're seeing the table being set for that. Verse 6, And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. We talked about the language. And this is what they begin to do? This is the first thing they begin to do, something this evil. This is their first act of rebellion. So there's no limits on these people. Now, nothing that they uh, propose to do will be withheld from them. And the idea is that they will purpose to sin in greater ways is the way you translate that. They will purpose the sin in greater greater ways with the help of demons and fallen angels. So they're going to create this man-made utopia through the help of demons and angels. Verse 7, Come, let us go down and confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from all over the face of of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. So he intervened and stopped it. So if you look at migration tables... In sociology or even human DNA, here is where they spread out from Babel. It wasn't from Africa, it was from Babel. Let's go to the next one. What you see in human DNA migrations, which confirms the spreading out, is it spread from the Middle East all the way into Europe, Asia, crossed over into the Americas, and into Australia. The DNA migrations match the spreading out from the Tower of Babel. Isn't that interesting? They won't admit that, obviously. And then there's another picture of the DNA spread out. This is how human migration happened on a sociological level. Now, they don't explain why, but we know why, why it happened. And then I think the other picture is, is more, uh, more trails of how humans spread out from the Middle East. Again, science actually backs this up. Archaeology backs this up. Did you know that? Archaeology confirms that more or less about several thousand years ago, populations sprung up out of nowhere, all at the same time, all over the planet. They sprung up at the same time, relatively speaking. Archaeology confirms this. Verse 9, Therefore the name is called Babel, or Balal, which means confusion, because there the Lord confused the languages of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. So so, (laughs) basically they changed the name... Babel used to mean the gate of God. Now the name is changed. So God's it's kind of ironic. You're gonna play with names. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna take your name, which means gate of God, and then I'm gonna change it to mean gate of confusion. So God plays a trick on them. I'm gonna change your name. And so the idea is it's Babylon represents spiritual confusion, religious confusion, economic, and political confusion. And let's move to today. Because The next time this happens, and it's happening right in front of our eyes, he's not going to stop it. He actually will allow it because it will be the end of humanity as we know it. So Babylon is being created. Globalism is now the mark of that. And it's funny that when the EU, they, this is the idea. They want a global government to control the entire planet. That's their goal. That's the EU's goal. That's the UN's goal. And that's what even our left in America wants, globalism, okay? And so when they put the the UN and they put the EU together, I want you to see the symbols they embedded in their buildings. Look at this building. This is the European Union building. It is intentionally left undone on the top. Because the architect, and it's not a secret, the architect made a building that looked like a Tower of Babel. And look at this, this ancient picture. that is unfinished. Look at the top of the building. He, the architect left it unfinished. Because you know why? Because the EU believes they're going to finish the work of Babylon. That's what they said. That's how satanic they are. By the way, anyone on the EU Commission has to be Roman Catholic. It's tied to the Vatican. That's why the Pope is pushing globalism. Something about the Catholic religion is tied to this. Because you only can be on the commission if you're Roman Catholic. But look at the figure. What's, what's in front of the building? A woman riding a beast. Look at their coinage. A woman riding a beast. Now, they'll say this is Europa riding Zeus who turned into a bull. But at the end of the day, it's a woman riding a beast. This is their insignia. This is their marker. Look at this other picture. You see the 12 stars? That's not an accident. Notice how the stars are arranged. Is point on the top or the point on the bottom? Look how the stars are arranged. Where is the top of the star? So on the bottom. Oh, I wonder where they got that idea from, and who does a five-pointed star upside down? You got it. It's Satan. Why would they put the stars upside down? Because that's how in bed they are with Satanism and Babylon. Notice, Europe, many tongues, one voice. That's their motto. It's the motto of Babylon. The 12 stars were stolen from the book of Revelation, by the way, they said. They called it taking the stars from the queen of heaven. Remember how in bed they are with the Catholic church? Who's the queen of heaven in the Catholic church? Mary. But she's really not Mary. She's Semiramis from Babylon. Semiramis is called the queen of heaven. In Catholicism, they call Mary the queen of heaven. And they misinterpret Revelation 12. The 12 stars are not Mary's crown. It's the 12 tribes of Israel. Nonetheless, they misinterpret that. But they took those stars and they said, we're going to use the queen of heaven's stars. And the queen of heaven is from Babylon. This is not an accident. I'm not making this up. They actually say this. They're out with it. It's crazy, isn't it? And so, that's picture. So the idea, look at how it's unfinished, like that, the tower, and they're going to complete the work. They will, by the way. It's going to happen. They will complete the work of Babylon. They will make a one-world government, exactly what they want through environment. So when you see these people sitting around their tables, this is Babylon coming back to life. She's here. No, she doesn't have America because America stands in the way. The only way you can have a global government is if all the players are in place and America is not in place. That's why Trump and everyone in here who's conservative is getting attacked so viciously from the global elite. They want America to go down so they can assume us into their global government. That's what this game is about because the puppet masters... The globalists are controlling everything. They are controlling the politicians. You think Hillary Clinton comes up with these ideas herself? Heavens no. Someone's telling her what to do. Someone's telling Judge what to do. Someone's telling Elizabeth Warren what to do. Even George Bush mentioned that. He said, this is back in the mid-2000s, in an interview, he says, it doesn't matter who's president because that president can't go against the global elite. Wow, that's George W. Bush saying that. Him saying it doesn't matter who's president because the puppet masters are pulling the strings. Oh. So again, this formation of a one-world government, America stands in the way, and eventually it will form into a one-world government. This is where it's going, and then it breaks up into a ten-league confederation. This is the ten economic unions they already have in place. Ten. It's the ten toes of Daniel. It's the ten crowns on the beast, or the horns. Again, this is not me making this up. This is what they want. They want ten economic global regions to control. So ten kings will eventually control this. And eventually, the beast government will take over. This will be the one-world government. And the beast government will be this thing that John saw. He says it's a beast, but this is the one-world government he saw as a beast. It was made up of all kinds of things, but it's terrifying. It tramples everybody. And eventually that system will be controlled by one individual. Guess who that one individual might be? It will be the Antichrist, and he will control the entire planet like Nimrod did. Wow. Interesting enough, we got to end on this and some application. I know that's a lot. That's a more geopolitical ideas of what's going on, but let's bring it down to an application so we can wrap things up. The idea of making a name for ourselves is a constant temptation for us. When we were little, we were taught to count. When we were little, we can count to 10, and then we'd learn how to count to 20, and we expanded that, and we've always been able to count, and that's what we've learned, right? Just like a child. There's a good thing about counting and knowing math, and there's a bad thing about counting. Let me explain the bad counting, because this is what Babylon was doing. When you divorce yourself from God and his paradigm of what the Scripture is teaching, you will then start counting. What do I mean by that? You will start counting your performance. You will start counting how many bricks you can make and build in your life. And your life will be centered around performance. It will be centered on that That performance gives you value in this Babylonian system. Okay? And what happens to people is they lose their their security with God because they're cut off from Him. And so they're desperate to find security. So they find security in performance. And it starts young. It starts very young. It starts with, how many hits did I get in a game, Dad? How many tackles did I make on the field? How many goals did I I I make in basketball? And the count starts happening. The child starts learning that his only praise and and value is when he makes achievements happen. And we get into that achievement world and we we play the game. And then we we go through our teenage years, and we get into a job later on, and we find out, oh, our job is also performance-based. And I get it. It's the way usually they are. But i got to sell a certain amount to feel good about myself. I have to do this or that to feel good about myself. And then eventually it's, it's a matter of how much can I count that's in my bank that will give me security. So what you start realizing is you can also get caught up in the Babylonian game of thinking your value and worth is based on your performance and how you're counting that performance. This is why people become workaholics. This is why people, when they can't perform anymore, go into depression and become suicidal because their identity is tied into counting. How many wards do they have? How many achievements do they have? See, once you realize that, that's the Babylonian system this is why we connect to God, because it's not based on counting, it's based on faith. I am valuable and loved by God because I'm made in his image and Jesus died for me. End of story. That's the value we have. Amen? Amen? So if you're trying to play that game, you're playing a Babylonian game, you're not going to win. You'll never know how much is enough. With Christ, you have everything. He provides everything. He provides your security. So to get out of the system, go to God. Go with Christ, and He will do that for you. Okay? Amen? Let's pray. Thanks for downloading the Anchor Podcast. We hope this study was a blessing to you. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Also, check out our YouTube channel, Rock Harbor Church Prophecy Update, where we focus on signs of the times and present a wide range of sermons and discipleship lessons. So until next time, keep looking up, for our redemption draws near.